0: Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about the letter Vov, or let's put it this way, the secret life of the letter Vov. So what is is the letter Vov? So imagine just a, a line that just goes straight up and down. That, that's the letter vav. That's what it looks like. And in Hebrew grammar, the letter vav is a connector letter. It means um, and. Not only that, but but the, the vav is actually a word. It's not just a letter, but it's also a word. And it means a hook. So that, that's interesting, too, because what does a hook do? It connects one thing to another thing. So, so vav is a, is, is a hook. It's a straight line, and it means and. It's it's it means to connect. It's this letter that connects. And actually, by the way, there there are more things to say about the letter vav. But that's that's really the aspect that we're going to focus in on today. This 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 ability to connect that it symbolizes, and of course, God is one. So so everything exists within God, and and so we're all connected, and. You know, I, I was thinking that, that something, very, something very beautiful in my mind is that a person, uh, man, woman, all of us, are, are letter Vavs. Because if you just imagine yourself standing in profile or even not in profile, you are in the shape of a letter Vav, a straight line. And what does that mean? It means why? We're, how is it that we're all vavs? Because we're all one soul. We all share one soul. So, in other words, our very physicality attests to the fact that we're all one and that we're all connected. So that that's an amazing thing. Just imagine us all vavs, all all connected. It's 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 beautiful. Okay. So, so the letter vav, it gets. It gets deep because, because in God's holiest name, in the Yudke Vovke, right, the, the tetragrammaton, that if, I, I, I always urge you that whenever we discuss the holiest name of God, that you picture it like a ladder. So you've got the Yud on top and below that the letter He, and then you've got the letter Vav that we're discussing today. And then below that you have the, the bottom hey. And all the is everyone from the very beginning says that that bottom, hay represents this world. Okay, that, that's this dimension that we live in. O- Olamasiyah, it's called Kabbalistically, also known as the world of action. If you ever want to know why, why do we have so many mitzvot that are like telling me, do this, do that, and everything like that. It's because we exist in the world of action. So it's good to have positive thoughts. It's good to have a beautiful heart. All these things are, are not nothing, very very far from, from being nothing. However, the, the measure, the measure, is really to be able to take these aspects of ourselves that, that are inside of us and to manifest themselves outside of us into the world. And that requires action. That's why this is the world of action. That's how we really transact light. That's how we transact the redemption, if you will, in this world. Because we've got an aspect of God within us. That's our soul. That's this infinite light within us. But we have to get that infinite light within us outside of us. And how does that happen? Through action. And then we fill the entire world with light. And then that's the end game. So, so we're all in the middle of that process still. Okay. But what we, but what you see from the holiest name of God, and especially, like I am recommending that you that you see it as like a, a ladder, is it becomes a on some level a map of the universe, and beyond, right? Because the letter yud at top has something called the kozosho yud, the tip of the letter yud, <laughs> and that tip of the letter yud is just the bridge to the beyondosphere, to coin a word. So <laughs> it's just beyond, 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 beyond. Okay, fine. But you still have like this map of the universe with the letters. Now, what role does the letter vav, since we're discussing vav, what does role does the letter vav play there? So again, let's review. You have the letter top, and then a hey below it. That stands for the next world, okay? Then you have The letter Vav, and then below that you have the letter He, which stands for this world. So the Vav is the connector. The Vav is connecting this world, this realm, to the higher realms. Right? To the just spiritual heights, to the heavens. The heavens and the heavens of the heavens. That's what the Vav is doing there. Okay. Very good. So... So so we see that the letter Vav connects. And we see it in a more grounded way. We're talking about very spiritual things right now. But Rashi tells us that Parsha's Mishpatim, which we just read, begins with the letter Vav and this word Ve'ele. And that uh, this letter Vav at the beginning of Parsha's Mishpatim is very, very important. Why? Because last week's Parsha was Parshas Yisro, And we got the revelation at Mount Sinai, right? That's the greatest event that's happened since the creation of the world and remains so until the redemption of the world. As I heard Rabbi Edin Sandsalt say so masterfully, for thousands of years, people spoke to God at Mount Sinai, God spoke back. That's, that's amazing. Now, remember, the Baal says, what happened at, at Mount Sinai? Heaven came down to earth. And what happened was the superstructure of reality, the fabric of reality, became revealed, that it's the mitzvot. So, how do we see that? We see it in many ways, but one super cool way that we see it is that it says right in the Torah, that Mount Sinai at the time of the revelation was smoking, right? And the the, the Hebrew word for, for that is ashan, which is spelled ayin, shin, nun, which stands for, it's the first letters of three critical words. Ayin stands for olam, shin stands for shana, which is time, and nun stands for soul. So ashan, the mountain with smoking, stands for time, space, and soul. In other words, when the mitzvahs became revealed at Mount Sinai, the whole fabric of reality, time, space, and soul, we got a glimpse into it, and that it's all made out of the mitzvot, it's all made out of the Torah, that the fabric of reality is the Torah itself, which is very critical. Because I have a big campaign. One of the messages that I want to get out during my lifetime is that the Torah is not a book. The Torah also exists in book form. But the Torah is not a book. The Torah is the fabric of reality itself because God made the world out of the Torah. Remember, the Gemara says that the Torah existed before the world was was created. And, you know... Poetically speaking, the Torah was God's vision for the world. And then God made the world out of his vision for the world. Right? We gave the example last week, which I think is is compelling, uh, in my opinion, which is that an architect envisions a house and then sets about to create it. But the architect doesn't make the house... Out of the vision for the house. (laughs) The architect makes the house out of bricks and wood and pipes. Okay? When God envisioned the world, he made the world out of his vision for the world. (laughs) Do you understand how wild that is? God molded his vision of the world into the physical universe itself. That's wild. That's what we mean when we say that the that God took the Torah and made the world, or that the world is made out of the Torah. So when it says the mountain was smoking, right? Asham, And that's the first letters of time, space, and soul. So you see that we got a glimpse into the fabric of reality and saw that everything is made out of the Torah. Okay. Now, Let's get back to the letter Vav. The Baal says that the word Sinai, right? The Torah was revealed at Mount Sinai because it was a low mountain. God wanted to give it on, in a humble place, which is awesome. And I, I think it was Rabbi Meir Kahana who said something very amazing. If God wanted to give it in such a humble place, why didn't he give it in a valley, right? Because a valley is below ground. In order to teach us that you should be humble, but don't, don't be stepped on. Okay? You're not a rag to be stepped on. You understand? You can be humble, but that doesn't mean you should be stepped on. Very, very, very interesting. Important distinction. Important distinction. Anyway, the idea is that Mount Sinai is a Mount Sinai is that connector. And now, finally, we can get to the Balatorim. What does he say? That the word Sinai is the same gematria, the same numerical equivalent as sulam, which means ladder. Because Sinai is that connector, is that ladder from earth to heaven and from heaven to earth. And you know what a ladder is? It's the letter vav, right? Just like that vav of the yudke vavke, that ladder, the mitzvot, are connecting us from heaven to earth, and from earth to heaven, right? It's that, it's, it's that place. And remember, Yaakov Avinu's dream, Jacob's dream, that he dreamt of a ladder connecting heaven and earth, and there were angels going up and down the ladder, right? Okay. So we see that the letter Vav is this divine connector. And so Rashi says that Parshas Mishpatim begins with the letter Vav, because it's connecting Mishpatim, which is a Parsha that has, if it doesn't have the most mitzvahs in the Torah, it has the second most mitzvahs in the Torah, it's loaded with mitzvahs and very practical mitzvahs. Not only just practical mitzvahs, but but very specific mitzvahs under the realm of what we would call civil law. So in other words, not, not like far out spiritual type things, like. Keeping Shabbos and things like that, which is a very spiritual idea, right? You're sort of like bringing heaven down to earth on Shabbos. Now, these are like more practical person-to-person mitzvahs, making sure that we honor and respect each other. Honor and respect each other's feelings. Honor and respect each other's property. Like, we have to do things like that. And that's all contained in Parsha's Mishpatim. Now, listen carefully. The idea is, don't think. Now, why are we connecting it? Why why does it need this vuv connecting it to Mount Sinai? Because a person can make a mistake. A person can think that, wow, the Mount Sinai experience was so wild, like our souls flew out of our bodies, and then God brought us back to life. And then God spoke again, and our souls flew out of our bodies again. And God had to bring us back to life again, right? So it's Mount Sinai was just beyond. But that's, you know, that was just an experience. Like the day to day in and outs of respecting each other's feelings and respecting each other's property, eh, that's something else. God says, no, 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 that's not something else. (laughs) This is all one and the same. It's all one and the same. In other words, if we exist within God, Remember, what's the big difference between polytheism and monotheism? Polytheism, which means a belief in many gods, that's saying God is in the trees and God is in the clouds and God is in the ocean, right? Whereas monotheism says the entire world, the entire universe, exists within God. There's just one God, and everything exists within God. Do you understand? So everything exists within God. And that means that all of the mitzvahs, whether they're person-to-God mitzvahs or whether they're person-to-person mitzvahs, all of them are this divine construct and this divine experience. And so, therefore, it's very important to connect ideas like paying your taxes with Mount Sinai, right? That's why we need the vav at the beginning Of parshas mishpatim, because we're very consciously attaching the supernatural with the mundane. Do you hear that? The supernatural and the mundane are being linked together by this letter vav, because the mundane isn't mundane. (laughs) Because everything is a miracle. Do you understand? And the Ramban, who's one of the absolute foundation stones of the entire Torah, the Ramban says that any person who doesn't say that every moment is a miracle, you ready for this, has no portion in the Torah of Moshe. Can you imagine? And you say that again, because now remember, the ba- this is coming about 500 years before the Baal Shem Tov, just so you need, if you need a little context for who the Ramban is, okay? Anyone who doesn't say everything is a miracle has no portion in the Torah of Moshe. In other words, what the Ramban is saying in a very dramatic fashion is that you have to understand that if you exist within God, that there is nothing that's ordinary. <laughs> that everything is extraordinary. Everything is extraordinary. That's, that's, and, and that's great you know as i often try to remind myself i think so many of us we get stuck in our problems and I, I want to talk about that more in a bit we get stuck in our problems and and we just begin the conversation with i'm going through this or i'm going through that or ah or why do i have to do this or why do i have to do that but but really if if one can do it, and and you know, I you have to make an effort to do this. I, I have to remind myself to do this. Every conversation should begin with, "You mean I'm alive? <laughs> you you mean there's a universe? How is there even a universe? Right? No one God. No one made God create the world. Right? Every conversation, if it's going to really be beemus for 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 real, has to begin with. How do I even exist? And how is there even a world? And then we can start to, you know, arrive at like just the doorstep of what the Ramban is talking about, that everything is a miracle. Remember, the Ramban says that what are mir- what, what is nature? What is the mundane? Just miracles you've become bored with. <laughs> Right? Just miracles that you've gotten used to. But that doesn't make them any less miraculous. Okay. So again, let's just review that point, and we're going to go deeper. Parsha Mishpatim begins with the letter Vav, and it's to connect the everyday with the supernatural. With the laws, the, the mitzvot of civil laws, with the spiritual pyrotechnics Of the revelation at Mount Sinai, and you know, I was thinking, "Wow, so we're really like, this really is the parsha of, of the letter vav of of connections, you know, in the deepest, most far-reaching ways." And then I thought to myself, "I wonder, because vav is the number six, I wonder, what number parsha in Shmosis is?" And sure enough, it's the sixth parsha. So it is the vav. It had to be, right? It had, there's only one end to that story. It had to be, right? But it was fun to think of it and then count and go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's both. Okay, so, so now I want to raise a, raise a question. And I think that this is something that's misunderstood and for very good reason, because the Torah says it one way, and you have to know a lot of Torah to know that it's not just, what you might simply think it is. Let me explain. After the Torah is revealed at Mount Sinai, and Parshas Yisro ends, we get this onslaught, this this cavalcade of mitzvah. and all of the Torah commentators are just mystified, really, why the. The mitzvah, the mitzvah of the evid ivri the the Hebrew slave is the first one that that's that's given in parshas Mishvatim. Now, just to review, this is very different from slavery as we understand in the in the in the modern context. Even in the ancient context where slaves were sold, these these slaves that the Torah is talking about were not sold. These were people who were, who owed money. And so they are working to pay off their debt. So it's a a very different construct. And if any physical harm was done to them, they had to be compensated and paid workman's compensation, workman's compensation. So in in that way, the, they were protected against the whims or the violence of, of the, whoever the, Master was. Not only that, but it says that whatever food the master was eating, that the every degree, the slave, so to speak, had to be eating as well. So the lifestyle was the same. And then it goes even a step further, which is that if there was only one pillow that was in the household, the slave had to get it, not the owner. Amazing. Right? So you see that this, the, 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 what, we, what we're calling the ebitivri is very different from modern concepts of slavery. It was, it was a very different thing. It was basically a place where a person had to pay off their debt okay? in, in this work environment. Okay, fine. But still, it's such a specific situation. You've just had the revelation of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Heaven has just come down to earth. For goodness sakes, that's where you're picking up the conversation? You have 613 mitzvahs to choose from. That's, that's where you're starting, God? Okay. So now listen to this. I want to tell you two things that I heard from Reb Shlomo, one in the name of the Baal Shem Tov and one in the name of the Zohar, as explanations of this. Fascinating, fascinating. You ready for this? The Bashem Tov says, do you know why it's talking about the Hebrew slave right now, the Evid Ivri? Because the question is, you ready for this? This is deep and beautiful. When you have power over someone else, when you are in a relationship where there is a power imbalance, how are you treating the other person? When you are in a relationship where there is a power imbalance, how are you treating the other person? That's the test of whether you heard the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's the Baal Shem Tov. Unbelievable, right? Right? So, So that's why we're learning about this very specific situation after Mount Sinai because we have to understand that all of us are emanations of godliness and all of us have to be treated with respect and dignity. Okay. Now let's hear what the Zohar says. The Zohar says, remember, why did the Evidivri have to go into this, you know, into this work situation where he now has to pay back his debt because he stole and he didn't have the money to repay. So now he's, you know, put into a situation where he can pay back his debt. Okay, good enough. Listen to what the Zohar says. When Adam and Chava, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, which they were told they did not have permission to do, and they did it anyway. Eating that fruit, you ready? Was an act of theft. And so, the first thing that God is doing after revealing the Torah at Mount Sinai is teaching us how to repair the hate, the wrongdoing of Adam and Chava, eating from the tree of knowledge. Is that unbelievable? That's the Zohar. That's a czar. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. So now, and listen to this. I have to tell you something that I saw in the name of the the, the Beis Yaakov, who was the second Ishbitzer Rebbe. He says, theft is an illusion. (laughs) Right? Because you are deluding yourself into thinking that you actually have ownership and why is it an illusion? Because everything belongs to God. So, okay, so we have, we have all sorts of deep ideas of why this halacha is, is coming now. But what I wanna do is focus in on a, 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 a different aspect of this, go a little bit deeper into the idea of the evidivri, and then we're going to clarify sort of like a, a misconception that people have. But let's take it a little bit further. The, the work sentence was, was six years, and then you go free in the seventh. Okay, very good. Now, what happens if the Torah addresses this, this issue? What happens if the slave didn't want to go free? He says, you know, I love my master. And, okay, so the Torah makes allowance for this person. And there's a strange ceremony that takes place that allows the slave to continue to be a slave for this master. So what the owner had to do was to take a, like a piece of wood and to hammer it into the earlobe of the slave, and that would attest to the fact that this slave wanted to remain a slave in his master's house. Now, the Torah says that if he did this, he remained a slave forever. And we're gonna get more deeply into that. But first I have to tell you, a beautiful Torah that I heard in the name of Rabbi Israel Salanter. So he was the originator of the, the, the Musar movement, which was dedicated to sort of like ethically uplifting and sensitizing Jews to, to ethics. It was, it was really a parallel to the Hasidic revolution. And, and this one was more sort of like ethically based. In other words, to, to sensitize Jews in a slightly different way. Right? But but he was very inspired by the Hasidic movement. And the Muser movement was sort of like that part of the Jewish world's Hasidic revolution. Again, it was just to uplift and and make people more sensitive to each other. So, so with that idea in mind, that here was one of the most sensitive people in the world, he picks up on a question that, you know, you could read what I just told you a, a thousand times that the master would. Hammered the thing in the slave's ear, and then he would continue to work for him. You could read that a thousand times and not ask this question or come up with this answer. So you see the greatness, the greatness in the heart and the mind of Rabbi Israel Salanter here. Okay, what question does he ask?s Does he ask, why is it that the master? who clearly is a fantastic person because the slave, I mean, what slave would not want to go free after six years? Any normal person would want to go free. So if this slave wants to continue to work for this master, what does that mean? That means this master is a great guy, basically. So if he's a great guy, why does he have to go through the and I'm gonna, this is my word that I'm gonna use, the trauma of having to pierce this guy's ear with a hammer and a piece of wood. One, you know, we have by circumcisions, we have a professional to do that job. I mean, ideally, by the way, the father should do it. But from, you know, in most cases, you hire a mole, who's like, you know, a, a specialist at knowing how to do that. And he does it. So why shouldn't there be some official representative of the Sanhedrin or the base din, the court system who like shows up for the you know ear hammering appointment, right? <laughs> and let, let, let the official do it. Why should this master who's like a great guy have to do it? So again, just to even be so inside the Parsha, so to speak, to ask such a question is, is, is beautiful. But now listen to his answer, because his answer is is fantastic. He says if he has to go through this hardship of doing it, it means that he is partially to blame for the slave choosing to remain a slave. And now he explains it further. Because in creating this atmosphere of his household, he imbued it with a certain degree of complacency where people didn't strive to be more. Do you hear that? Attention all parents. (laughs) Attention calling all parents. And listen, all of us are still parenting ourselves, right? Whether we're in our households or not. It is essential that you imbue your children with the desire and the tools to advance. And I heard something that made a big impression on me and I I, I started doing it and, you know, I don't know exactly how my children reacted to it. I think that many times they were frustrated by it and thought that I was being a jerk, frankly. But let me tell you what I heard this Rob say that made such an impression on me. If your child is capable of doing something on his own, have him do it or her do it. So for instance, let's say you're both sitting at the table and they say to you, and I'm talking about, you know, not a child right now. I'm not talking about a young child right now. So you have to use your common sense when I'm telling you this right now. Let's say your fourteen year old says, Can can I have a glass of water? The answer is yes, get it yourself. <laughs> right? If 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 they're by the door and he goes, Oh, can I get a sweater? Most certainly you can get a sweater. <laughs> and I offer this As practical advice because you would be amazed how this can develop a personality because what it does is it 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 shows a child that they are capable that they can do things for themselves and that they can have a desire and see it enacted in front of their eyes through their own power. And if a child does this dozens, hundreds of times in your household, then when it comes to getting a job, for instance, right? Or doing something for the community, for instance, they have the confidence and the sense of self that they can do it. Okay. So, whatever, whatever this slave owner did, according to Rabbi Israel Salanter, he created in his beneficence, right, in his will intentionedness, an atmosphere where the slave didn't desire to be more than a slave. So, that's, that's very, very interesting. Okay. So, so we, we, have to avoid, we have to avoid that. And I'm going to give you one more little practical thing that's absolutely changed my life. Very much in keeping with the practical advice that I just mentioned. And it has to do with ourselves. That's, that's how we are with our children, say. But this is with ourselves. And that's the following. And it's going to sound like a small thing, but that's the beauty of it, because it is a small thing that you will net very large results from this. If you see something on the floor of your house, pick it up immediately. If you see a little piece of paper on the floor, pick it up and throw it out. When you brush your teeth, the end of brushing your teeth, you see that toothpaste residue on the sink, just cup your hands with some water, wash it out then and there. If you throw a Kleenex at the waste paper basket and it misses and it hits the floor, pick it up right away and put it in the waste paper basket. I'm telling you this changed my life and I'm not exaggerating at all because the very thing that I just told you about children, I did this with myself and I saw that I could enact something immediately. And there's a lesson that you teach yourself. You rewire your brain into, into proving that, that you are capable and that things can be accomplished right away. And I'm telling you that that skill set, that, 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 that series of actions, had a domino effect in my life where I sent emails much more efficiently than I had done in the past, where I made phone calls much more efficiently than I had done in the past. Because I'll tell you something, if you walk by a piece of paper on the floor or a tissue by the on the floor by the side of the waste paper basket and you go, oh, you just think to yourself, like you have a little twinge of that shouldn't be there, right? What happens is you get used to things not getting done. And that has an effect on the rest of your life. Okay. So, so now let me get back to this idea of the slave opting to remain a slave. And I want to go back now. We're going to re-enter the discussion of the letter Vav in a very deep way, okay? Remember, the letter Vav, it's the sixth letter of the Torah, and it means to connect, right? This, this letter is the great connector. And just to get us back into the mindset of the letter Vav, I'll tell you the following. The custom is by Hasidic communities, that the Rebbe, the leader of the community, always gets the sixth aliyah. That's the letter vav. Okay, why? Because what is what is, what is a Rebbe doing? A is connecting heaven and earth, and earth to heaven. <laughs> That's why he's getting the sixth aliyah. What's the Rebbe? The is the glue of the community, the vav connecting, you know, all the people together. So, you know, the letter vav has this awesome... Power, because it's vertical and horizontal at the same time. It's connecting the above and below, heaven and earth. That's the letter Vav. And it's connecting all of us together. Like I said before, each of us, if you look at our physical shape, each of us are shaped like a Vav. Right? Because we're one soul. We're all connected together. Okay. So now, what about this slave that opts to remain a slave beyond his initial you know, in servitude past that initial period of time. Well, as I mentioned to you, the Torah says that this person remains a slave forever. Right? Goes through that ear hammering ceremony and is a slave forever. And guess what? That's not true. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, the, the Torah says elsewhere that the slave doesn't remain a slave forever. Isn't that interesting? Because we have this thing called Yovel, which is the Jubilee year, which is every 50th year all slaves go free. So even this individual, who opted to remain a slave past his normal serving time, also goes free. Very interesting. Now, since he could have been a slave, because that those 50 years are objective calendar dates. In other words, it's every 50th year. Now, let's say I decided to re-up as a slave after the seventh year, and the next year was the 50th year. So, you know what my forever is? Like, basically nothing. I'm right back into, even though I opted. Okay. Okay, so now, let's look at the word forever. Since it doesn't, it's not, it's simple meaning. The word forever in Hebrew is leolam. And in that place in the Torah, Guess what letter is missing from the word le'olam? The letter vav. (laughs) Le'olam, which means forever, but as we just learned, also means not forever. Fascinatingly, is spelled, as we say in English, defectively. Right? This is all by God's hand, all by Torah design. Le'olam, which means forever in this context, is missing the letter Vav. And because that person is always connected, right? Even when they think that they're not connected, they're still connected. The letter Vav is there, but it's hidden. Because they're connected and they don't even know they're connected. But I want to make it more personal than that. And this is really the point that I want to make. You know, when we're in a dark place, because slavery, right, paying off a loan, whatever it is. When we're in a dark place in our life, you know what we're missing? We're missing the letter of love. We're missing the awareness that we're still connected. What is darkness? What is despair? What is hopelessness? It means that we're missing the awareness that we're still connected and that we're always connected and that we're never alone. That letter Vav is always there but when you remain a slave, it becomes concealed. <laughs> but we see that, that 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 forever is not forever because the slave goes free, which means that connection is there. It's just hidden from them at the moment because they're choosing to remain a slave. When we're sad, we've basically concealed our letter Vav. We've forgotten that we're connected. We're forgotten that we're all one soul. We're forgotten that we're still tied to the above. The Pischei Sharem, you ready for this? Says that every single person has to put the letter Vav in their heart. And that the letter Vav, right, according to the, the deepest, deepest Torah sources, is called the Os. Os means letter, or it's a sign. The os emis, the letter vav, is the sign, is the letter of truth. Because it's connecting everything and showing you that everything exists within God and that God is one. And now on Shabbos, we had Hagbah, right? That's where you lift up the Torah, and you open it up so that you can see, like, the words of the Torah. And you've got the two wooden poles on either side. And I was thinking about the letter Vav. And I looked at the Torah and I realized, the Torah is a letter Vav. The Torah is a letter Vav. It blew my mind. Listen, let me explain it to you. Do you know how you spell Vav? You know how you spell the letter Vav in Hebrew? Vav. Aleph Vav. So the wooden pole on one side, that's a Vav. The wooden pole on the other side, that's a Vav. And all of the text of the Torah. You see, when God revealed the Torah at Mount Sinai, it all begins with the letter Aleph, the letter Aleph of Enochi. And the end You know, the deepest, the Karmarna Rebbe said that when God pronounced the Torah at Mount Sinai, you know what he did? He pronounced the letter Aleph. (laughs) Now that's really wild because the letter Aleph is silent. (laughs) God pronounced the letter Aleph and that the entire Torah was contained within that. So that means that all of the text of the Torah is one big letter Aleph, because it's all contained within the Aleph of an of Anochi, which God spoke at Mount Sinai. So now let's revisit this image. Imagine someone's holding up the Torah. You've got the pole on one side, that's Vav. You've got all the text in the middle, that's Aleph. And that you've got the pole on the other side, that's Vav. In other words, the whole Torah is a Vav. And it spells out the letter Vav. The vav is the os emes. The vav is the letter of truth. And emes is the right word, right? Because what do we say? Torah emet. The Torah is a Torah of truth. So it's, it's appropriate that when you hold up the Torah, that it should look like and it should be a vav. Because it's that sign to each other that it's through the Torah and through the mitzvot, through the fabric of reality itself, as we expressed, that we tie ourselves to each other and we tie ourselves to the above. And now I want to go even deeper. Let's revisit that first vav of Mishpatim, that vav that begins the Parsha that connects, as I put it, Parsha's Yisro to Parsha's Mishpatim, the pyrotechnics, of Mount Sinai with the civil laws contained in Mishpatim, or to put it even more kind of simply, that love which ties the supernatural with the everyday. It's all divine. And that vav, that vav can bring heaven down below it can make us realize that even the mundane is the supernatural. <laughs> or if we're mired in the mundane, that vav is a rope, that vav is a ladder, that can help us to climb out of this world, right? And to see the grandness, that there's even a world, that there's even in us. This farm kedoshim, our Torah holy books have different names for this world. I gave you one already. It's called Olam Asiyah, the world of action. You know, it's a little bit heavy. It's a little bit heavy. But do you know what another name for this world is? The Olam HaSheker, the world of lies. You know why? Because there's so much more going on than you can see with your eye we see little glimpses, little glimpses. I heard a a visual from the, in the name of the Rambam, which I thought was so awesome. He said that this world is like, remember, he's writing in approximately the 1200s and camels going through deserts, right? was like a very real thing. That was like an everyday reality. And traveling through a desert, that's, you know, that's, that's a big deal. So you'd have caravans and all the rest. And you wouldn't navigate according to sand dunes or anything like that, because all those would blow away in sandstorms in the middle of the night, right? So so every once in a while in the darkness, there would be a flash of lightning. And that flash of lightning would turn night into day. And you could get like a glimpse of what your surroundings were. And then it would go back to blackness. And so the Ramban says, the Rambam says that that's, that's life. We have these moments of inspiration and they have to carry us through the darkness because this world is a world of lies, meaning to say that there's so much more going on in this world than the eye can see. And we have to be able to see past that and stay in this place of expanded consciousness and know that that just everything is connected. Reb Shlomo gave us another visual, very beautiful. He said, you know, this world is like looking through a little peephole, right? Like a keyhole in a door. And imagine a person's looking through this little peephole and he sees in the other room outside the door that there's someone holding a knife over someone else. And he thinks a murder is about to take place. But what's the person looking into? It's an operation. Surgery is about to be performed to save that person's life. So in other words, we're only seeing a little piece of reality in this world. Like it's, it's, it's much grander. There's so many more puzzle pieces. There's so many more puzzle pieces. Reb Shlomo says that each time you learn a new piece of information, it's like you're being given another puzzle piece. Now, that's the key out of arrogance. Let me explain. See, a lot of people, each time they learn something new, they're like, ah, now I know. Or, ah, I'm so much smarter. But Rabbi Nachman says that with each new piece of information, you have to realize that you know nothing at all. Now, how do you do that? Because it's like if someone just stuffed $100 in your pocket, how do you feel even poorer? (laughs) How do you do it? It's so natural to learn something new and to feel so much smarter. So now listen to what Reb Shlomo says. If you feel with each new piece of information, you're being handed one puzzle piece, but all the other puzzle pieces are missing, (laughs) then you are getting something. You're getting this puzzle piece, but simultaneously you're realizing that this is just one little piece of information of so much more that you don't know. And so simultaneously you can receive something new while still staying in the consciousness that there's so much more still to know. Because every new piece of information is an open door to a vast unknown. So each piece of information can be the awareness of how much more there is to know. So you can grow in yira. You can grow in humility as you grow in knowledge. And that's, that's the rhythm that you want to be in. That's the rhythm that you want to be in because that's emes. That's truth. That's truth. So so let's go even deeper. You see, why do we have to put the letter Vov in our hearts? Well, part of it is because if this is the world where our eye just doesn't see the full picture, then we've got to be able to have a vuv there to climb above this world and to be able to see the expanses. I want to just add that sits tzitzis, every, they're all letter vuvs, <laughs> right? Isn't that wild? It's like we're, we, we're literally surrounded by vuvs and now let's take it to the next step. Do you know? How many strands you have around you? Well, it's eight on each corner. So eight times four is 32. You ready for this? That's the gematria of Lave or heart. So that's the vav in the heart. <laughs> how, how awesome is the Torah that everything, everything, everything connects. So again, this idea that the, that the slave who is working forever, that this word, lay alum doesn't have a vav in it. So, so it seems like they're working forever. But why does it seem like they're working forever? Because they're missing that vav, they're missing the connection to the above. Which means to say that if a person isn't connected to the above, it seems like whatever hardship they're going through is lasting forever. You'll have this illusion that it's never going to end. Why? Because you're lacking that vav. You're lacking that escape hatch, that that pole vault. You know, when we pole vault, what's a pole vault? It's it's the letter vav. It allows us to leap from whatever situation that we're in out of that context into the beyond. That's the vav, which allows us to escape this notion that our problems are forever. Remember, let's go back to the name of Hashem. You've got Yud, and below that, He, and then the letter Vav below that, and then the letter He, which is this world. So that bottom letter, Hey is the world of lies, the Olam Esheker. Well, you've got to climb up that letter Vav <laughs> to uplift yourself, to see the expanses, to see the truth. And that's why we need a letter Vav in our hearts, to be able to know that we're always connected, that we're always connected, no matter what. And now I want to tell you something from the Pischei Sharm, which is unbelievable, okay? So now we're going deep. You see, when God created the world, He wanted there to be a creature in existence, unlike the angels. In a way, they're going to be even higher than angels. We're talking about human beings right now, okay? A creature who could choose to serve God because angels have to serve God. They don't have free choice because they see dimensions of God's light that we don't see. And when they see those dimensions of God's light, they can only do the right thing. But what if there was this hollowed-out sphere that God made within himself, this empty space where one could think that nothing exists beyond this world. The sensitive person would look at all the miraculousness of creation and know that there's a creator and long to serve that creator. That's us. That's the story of humanity. That's the story of this world. So God created that. He created this empty space within himself. And of course, the great Kabbalistic joke is that even the empty space is filled with godliness. (laughs) But it's just a little bit ratcheted down so that we could still maintain free choice. Okay? Or as Rabbi Citron put it, God is as hidden in this world as he can be, where if you look for him, he can still be found. Okay, God is as hidden as he can be in this realm that we inhabit, where if you look for him, he can still be found. And so we can choose to serve God, and that makes us even higher than the angels. Now, what did God do with this empty space within him? He shone this light, this ray of light, That's called the Kav, by the way, K-A-V. God shown this ray of light. And do you know what shape the ray of light is in? The letter Vav. (laughs) We're back to our good friend, the letter Vav. That's the ray of light into the darkness. And now you want to hear something unbelievable? You are a miniature of the entire universe. Every one of us has the universe inside of us. And you want to hear something even more far out? Do you know what the center of you is? Your heart. And you know what's in your heart? An empty space. (laughs) These are the chambers of the heart. Worlds within worlds within worlds within worlds within worlds. And so inside of your heart, inside of that empty chamber, Specifically speaking, the left side of the heart, where really the desire to, to do your own thing really is, is running the show. Into that vacated space, the letter Vav has to be put. You have to shine that light of the Torah, because the Torah is a God's light is a You have to shine that light into your heart. That's what it means to put the letter Vav into your heart, the Osamis. And when you shine that letter, when you shine that Vav into your heart, you fill your heart with light, you radiate light, you bring light to the entire world, and you know that you're always connected, and that not only are you a part of God, but you and all of us and the entire world, the entire universe, exists within God, who loves us the most, the most, the most, the most. Another way of saying it is that that love is activated hope. You see, what is hope? Hope is the understanding, or sometimes it's just a feeling, but in more developed spiritual people, it's a knowing, it's not just a, Intuition, it's an actual knowing that there is something beyond the bad time that's happening right now. And I'm gonna just tell you one of the greatest Hasidic stories, in my opinion. It's fantastic, actually. But I'm just gonna tell you the end of the story. And and Reb Shlomo heard it from someone on a, a Shabbos afternoon. He took a long walk with while while Reb Shlomo was still in Lakewood. And this person was, you ready for this, the chief rabbi of Tehran. And he was a Belzer chassid. How the chief rabbi of Iran was a Belzer chassid, I have no idea. But he was. And he told Reb Shlomo this story. And he said, when you tell someone this story, you have to hold their hand. Right? In other words, this story is, you're communicating such depths of hope and life with this story that you must hold the other person's hand while you tell it. Anyway, I'm gonna to skip to the end of this story because because the end is just amazing and it's 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 very much what we're talking about right now. There was this Jew who was being terrorized by the landowner and oh, the landowner had almost beaten him to death. And before that happened, the Chauza of Lublin had warned this Jew and offered him a, a safe place to, to be away from the landlord and was telling him, your, your life is in danger, which it was. And in fact, the, the man almost killed him. And in the end, it all works out because even though he was almost beaten to death, he re, he recovers and, and the, the man, as restitution, ends up giving him a large sum of money and he and his wife become rich. And it was all because they followed the advice of, Rebbe Elimelech, the Noam Elimelech. And the chuz of Lublin who had given him the advice that you're going to get attacked and your life is in danger was a student of Rebbe Elimelech. So at the end of this story, the husband and wife realized that because they took the the advice of Rebbe Elimelech that they had become wealthy and and, and that their lives were saved and all the rest, and they, they realized they had never thanked him. And they thought, wow, this is wrong. We have to go and we have to thank him. So they journey to Reb Elimelech. And when they see the Noam Elimelech, the Choz of Lublin is there, right? Who goes on to be one of, you know, history's greatest Hasidic masters, but he's a student of Reb Elimelech. And now it all goes to this point. The Noam Elimelech says to the Chosa of Lublin, who told him his, his, his life was in danger, right? Rebbe Elimelech, the Rebbe, says to his great student, the Chose. you saw far, but I saw farther. You saw the bad time ahead, but I saw the good time after the bad time, right? Right? So you have to hold another person's hand just to get to that point of that story. That their hand is being held while they hear the words, You saw far, but I saw farther. You saw the bad time, but I saw the good time after the bad time. And that's what it means to put the letter Vuv in your heart. It means that you're living with the awareness that there's a good time after the bad time and that even if the Torah writes the period of servitude in the language of forever, forever is not forever if you have hope, if you are connected to the good time after the bad time. And as I always like to mention, there is a happy ending. There is a happy ending. There's a happy ending to each of our lives, and there's a happy ending to history itself, because we know, we've been promised by God, that every one of us has a share in the world to come. So no matter what our lives are in this world, and God should bless us with good, easy lives, blessed lives, right, with only good news, and, and, and Shepha, and the, and the vessels to hold all that shefa. But, but no matter what, there's a happy ending to our lives because we have the reward of the world to come. And it says if you roll up all of the pleasures that we exist during our entire lifetime into one construct, one moment in the world to come is greater than all the pleasure of this world. So each of our lives has a happy ending. Not only that, but Mashiach comes in the end. The world evolves toward perfection and the world itself has a happy ending. So there is a happy ending. There is a happy ending, individually and, and on the macro level as well. But you know, I thought of something this week, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll tweet it, which is it looks so nice when you just write it within like one of those mathematical equal signs. And it's patience equals heroism. Patience equals heroism, but not inactivity, not inactivity. There's nothing heroic about inactivity, not cowardice, right? Patience, but but the most evolved form of patience, where a person is working very, very hard toward their goal and still remains patient, that level of patience